God, it is well with my soul. Knowing that God, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that God, that He, He loves us perfectly. And God, you have a better day awaiting each of us. God, we love you. We pray that you'd bless these services. God, let us, let us just draw close to Jesus Christ today. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Wow, again, it is so good to see you today. And I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to Philippians, the third chapter as we continue studying through the series of the secrets of abundant life. And um, we're going to be looking today at, at verses 12 through 16. So if you would uh, turn your Bibles to, to there and, and get yourself ready. And um, a couple of things I, I want to mention ahead of time. I, I want to thank God for this church. I want to thank God for this fellowship. I, and, and last night, um, boy, I was out and um, riding my bike, and, and, and I always come in on Sunday, on, on Saturdays, and I just come in and, and I just feel like I just like to pray over the church and make things are in order. And, and boy, last night, I, late yesterday afternoon, I walked through those doors into this fellowship um, room or, or sanctuary. Although the seats were empty, folks, it was not empty. It was full of the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, when I walked in the door, I just Lord just overwhelmed me. And uh, he, he just overwhelmed me for the thankfulness of our Lord, but also the thankfulness of his people. And I want to thank God for you all. Because the temple of the Holy Spirit is your heart. And I thank God for you all. And, and, and folks, I just pray that, that, that there will be such a presence not only here, but, uh, but in these grounds and also wherever you are, that when people walk into your presence, they'll feel the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Folks, that was what God has called us to do. And boy, last night, I just, I just stopped here and I just, I just prayed and thanking God for who he is, thanking God for this church. And I'm looking forward to what God's up to. And I, again, thank God for you. Also, before we move into our passage, I see a, a family in the back, David and Tamara Sargent. I want you all to stand up because I want people to take a look at you. I thank God for this family. And you're talking about a beautiful, beautiful nest of boys there and, and that family and God has blessed us to, to, to get to know them and watch them grow and they're going to be moving. They're moving to Charlottesville, North Carolina. Does that, that mean Virginia? I'm sorry. Getting my, my states wrong. But I want you to be praying for, for David and Tamara and, 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 and their boys and their place of sale here. And I, hadn't talk, I just saw David just a moment ago. He's, he's been up in Virginia. But David, I want to pray for you all right now. That God would bless you and, um, and also bless that you find a church home up there and, 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 and that God would just use you in a very special way in Virginia. Father, I thank you for, for the sergeants, Lord. I thank you for Dave and uh, Tamara, Lord. I thank you for those precious boys they have. And God, I just pray for them, Lord. I know they've got a lot going on in their lives. David with a new job and, and God in the transition of moving. And Father, I just pray that you'd go before them, that God, that you would you'd direct every step, and God, and make it perfect and make it smooth, oh Lord. Mow down the mountains in front of them and give them, give them good, good travel, dear Father. And God, that, that Lord, in the transitioning within homes, that God, the homes would sell and they'd find a, a home and, and transition and in churches that they'd find a just a spirit-filled group, Lord, there in, in Virginia that they can be a part of and and fellowship with. 
And God, I pray that you'd meet their every need. But God, I want to thank you for them. And, and God, God as, as they go forward, we just pray God's blessings upon the sergeants, Lord. In Christ's name, amen and amen. God bless you. Let's all stand together as we read Philippians, the, the, the third chapter. And we're going to be looking on verses 12 through 16. Paul had just written these great, great words. He says, that I might know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. Conform, being made conformable. That, that's, that's, it's constantly being made conformable to his death. He says, if any means that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, and you know that that was his that was his desire in life. But listen to what he continues to say, and he says, not as that I've already attained, either already perfect, but I follow where I press after that. I press after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded. And if, any, if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, Whereunto we have already attained, or for those of us who have attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind this same thing. Let's pray. God bless this word, and I pray, Father, that you'd stir our hearts. And God, you'd show us things we've not known. Stir our hearts, Father, that God, that we, that we might be more like Jesus. Bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Now, I want to ask you the question that maybe you've asked yourself for, what am I here for? I really think this is a question that everyone sometimes within their life asks themselves, what am I here for? Or you may ask it in another way, what was I created for? Or what is my purpose in life? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Again, I think that is a question that everyone confronts ourselves with. And, and, and you may say, well, it doesn't really matter. It does. You know, the Bible teaches us that eternity is bound up in the heart of a man. Now, you may try to deny that, you know, there's no such thing as, as eternity, but don't fool yourself. Right. It's already within your heart. Right. As a matter of fact, I think it's very interesting that, that um, the two top-selling printed books of all time, first, the one, one of them you probably already know. You know what that book is? The Bible. Do you know what the second most printed book of all time is? Any guesses? The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Of all the books that's ever been written, the Bible's number one. The Purpose Driven Life is number two. A book that's very basic. I, I, I encourage you, if you've not read it, read it. But I think that it's, 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 it's so profound because it deals with a subject that really deals with most of our hearts. What is my purpose within life? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves today, that, that, that we need to, to, to look and, and ask ourselves, God, what is my purpose? What are my goals within life? Paul deals with this situation 
He deals with that, that, that question that we all have within our heart. God, what was I created for? And I want us to look today at this idea. I want us to look this day at what is God's most important life purpose for you and me? Because, folks, to know that, to know that would determine whether you live in abundance or you don't. I don't believe anybody can really experience the full joy of their salvation until they discover what God's purpose is for me, and you're fulfilling that purpose. You're fulfilling that for which you're created for. And I want us today to look into the, in, into the life of Paul, into the words of Paul, and begin to answer that question in my life and in your life. I can tell you, folks, it'll make a difference within your life. The Apostle Paul, as he was speaking to the church in Philippians, boy, he was speaking to them, and, and here he was in, in prison. But that had not robbed him of his joy. That had not robbed him of his purpose. Folks, man cannot take God's purpose from our lives. Now, our situations may change for better or for worse, but that does, not, that does not reflect you from God's purpose for your life. And I want us to stop and just examine this idea, first of all, of, of, of in our own life, each of us as individual, because you all ask that question, that it's important that we set a worthy life goal in each of our lives. Folks, goals are important. Goals are important. Webster defines a goal in a very simple way. It says it's something that you are trying to do or achieve. It's something that you have your mind set upon you that, that allows you to drive you from the desire to, to completing that which you want. You know, our, our goals or our lack of goals will really determine what type of life that we live. But the thing is, it's very important to choose the right goal. And that's what I want us to look at. That's what I was going to think about is about the correct goal. When I speak of a life goal, I speak of that one overriding desire that you have in your life. That when your life is over and, and someone sums up your life, how would they describe your life? That... What do you want people to say about you when they walk by and they look at you in your casket? What's the first thing that comes to their mind? You see, folks, what people will say about you will much be determined on how you live your life and what type of life goal you have set within your life. And, and, and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is speaking about here. I think it's very interesting. Listen to a couple of things the Apostle Paul writes. He, he, he writes a couple of things with, with, within this passage where he says, not that I've already attained, not that I've already attained, but he continues on, or I've, I've apprehended, but this one thing I do, or I'm sorry, he says that I follow after that I may apprehend that which I'm also apprehended for. You know, we got to ask her, what is he talking about? What is he talking about that, that, that Christ has apprehended me for? Why has, why has Christ called you out? Why did Christ die for you? Why did Christ call him to yourself? Why did, would Christ save your soul? Have you, have you asked that self? that question but then paul continues on and he says this 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 other idea and folks if i get messed up in my reading i lost my glasses friday 
and these are about three years old. I've, I've got my, my larger print Bible here, and, and I'm still having me a time, I can tell you what. If somebody can find my glasses on, I think it's on the side of 23A, and that's a whole other story. There's a $100 bill awaiting you. I want them in good shape now. I don't want them all smashed up. So if I, if I look like I stra- I'm straining reading, I am straining reading. But then Paul says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now what is that prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus? He's, he's made two very strong statements. I want to apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of Christ. And I want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is he speaking about here? He is specifically saying here, I want what God has for me. I want to be who Christ died for me to be. I want to be that which God has called me to be in His upward call. And why this is so important, because folks, it's not just about goal setting, it's not just about desiring things with our heart, it has to be the right thing. Because what we confuse with, there's a lot of goals out there. And the world will, will, will tell you the importance of goal, goal setting. All you have to do is to, to go and, and, and to the self-help books at Barnes & Noble, and you'll find bookshelves of self-help books that will tell you how to set goals. But the question is, are they the right goals? You see, the world will tell us that, that you need to set goals, and, and, and it could be from a financial sense. You know, hey, I want to be the richest cat in Baker County. I, let me tell you, when, when I was in college, I wanted to be a business major. The reason I wanted to be a business major, I like people, but also I like money. I went to the, the risk and insurance field. I liked that. I enjoyed that. I and, and enjoyed all the actuarial stuff. And, and, and most of all my friends went into the, the corporate side of it. They went to work behind a, a cubicle, and that's great. I didn't want that. I like people. I like money. You can make more money as an agent. And, folks, that's what I set my goal on. Hmm. But that goal left me high and dry. There's some of you that, from an from a intellectual standpoint, you have a goal, man, I want to get my degree. And then I want to get my degree that put on top of my degree. And then I want to get another degree to put on top of that degree that put on top of that degree. Because your goal is to have as many letters at the end of your name as you can. So that people one day say, wow, that is a smart dude. That's a, a smart gal. There's some of us that wants acclaim. Did you know that our dream is, 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 is to grow up and be American Idol? To have my name in the lines so that people can look at me and say, hey, I've arrived. So many young boys are, 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 are driven by the goal that, hey, I want to be a professional ball player. I want to be a Buster Posey. I want to be a... In fact, for me, it was Johnny Unitas. No one even knows who Johnny Unitas is, but <laughs> set by roadsters out here. But I want to be a Peyton Manning. You see, there, there, there's nothing wrong with those specific goals, but if you get those goals ahead of the most important goal, 
I can tell you it's going to leave you high and dry. You see, Paul chose to follow the world's goals. As Paul had just explained that we had already read, that, that Paul says if, if anyone should boast in the flesh, if anyone was, was somebody, he said, it was me. He said, I had it all, man. I, he said, I was, I, was the, I was the guy that every young Hebrew boy wanted to be. I, I was the guy that every Hebrew mom wanted their, their, their daughter to marry. And, and he went in almost of, of, a, of a boasting type of way, but he was just being honest about where his life was before he met Jesus Christ. He says in verse 4, though, I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other thinketh that he hath wherewith, he might trust in the flesh. He says, I'm even more. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, I was blameless. Paul says, if there's anyone that should felt good about himself, it was me. But folks, he still had an empty knot within his stomach. And that became so real to him when he met the living Christ on the road to Damascus. When he met Jesus Christ, everything that seemed important to him in the past, every goal that he had set for him in the past, he said, was nothing more than dung as compared to Jesus Christ. And folks, that's what I want to, to mention you to you today. That you need to stop and you need to ask yourselves, what am I here for? What have I been created for? Why has Christ apprehended me? And you need to stop and you need to examine your goals because goals are important, but only if you get them in the right priority. Because Paul said there's a greater goal. It's the goal that Christ has apprehended me for, and it's the goal which is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe your heart is stirred. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? What is Paul really getting at? I think he is referring to what um, scholars would say is, is described as the golden um, chain of, of salvation. It's found in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 29. Why don't you turn your Bible there? This is very, very important. I think this is what Paul was speaking about, that I may apprehend that for which I have been apprehended of Christ, that I might, that I might press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the highest calling of God on my life? I believe it's found in, in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 28. And let's look at that, and, and let's, let's read that. together in Romans the 8th chapter verse 29 that Paul is, is writing these words as he's speaking on the, just the great freedom that we have in Christ again sorry <laughs> but he says these words in verse 29 he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what Christ predestinates every child of God to be? Conformed to the image of his son. That's what God desires of every one of us. That's what God's goal is for every one of us, is that we might be conformed to the image 
of his son. Let's stop back and let's examine that for just a moment. Did you realize that when God created man, he created man for, for the purpose of being in his image? You stop and chew on this for just a moment. The Bible says after God created the world and God created um, just the, the land, the sea, and then he created the animals and the plants. And he said, all of this is good. But then God, and, and he was speaking in, in the plural, let us, God then said to himself, maybe God the Father and God the Son and, and God the Holy Spirit was in their holy huddle, huddle there and at, at creation, and then they said, let us create man, how? In our own image. You see, when God created creation, and Romans even speaks about that, of all of creation, we see the reality of God. How can you not look at the sun and the stars? And how can you not look at the oceans? And how can you not look at the, the birds and the bees and the flowers and not realize in the reality there is a God? But if I look at creation, it tells me there is a God, but it does not tell me who God really is. When God created man, he wanted to fulfill his purpose in creation. Not only that there is a God, but who is this God? And so therefore, he created you and me to be his image bearers. See that when God created us, so that when people would look at us, not only would they realize from creation there is a God, but this is what God looks like. He created us to be his image bearer. Isn't that wild? That God created us with such a holy high call. What greater calling can that be that, that because God is invisible, and it's, it's, it's impossible for us to see God because of his invisible, he says, but I'm going to create little image bearers that when God looks at them, they can see me. Folks, that is man. Let us create man in his image. That's God's goal for every one of us. But the sad thing is, was when, when, man, when man chose to disobey God and sin entered into man's life, man lost much of that image. As a sad thing, it's because today for most men, when, we, when people look at us, they get a bad idea of who God is because that image has been marred. Folks, that's why he sent Jesus Christ. He came, he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, to make us new creations in Christ, that we might once again be image bearers of God. God's always going to finish what he began, and he did that through Jesus Christ. So God's highest goal for you and me is restore that, which he began in creation, is return us to be image bearers of God. See, folks, that should, be the, that should be the ultimate goal for each one of us, that we might each day look more and more and more like Jesus Christ. There's no higher goal than you can have, is that each day that I'm an image bearer of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul said these words, I've not attained that yet, but I want to. I want to be more like Jesus because I have been predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. What higher goal can that be? Let me just ask you the question right now. 
when people look at you, do they see God? If a person today was to get there, they, they knew nothing about God, and, and you were the first person they came in contact with, what would their, be idea, what would their idea of God be? See, Paul was saying, I want to live my life in such a way. My goal is to be so much like God, so much like Jesus Christ, when they see me, they see Jesus. How do I do that? How, how do I live my life in such a way that, that, that I've set my goal to be conformed to the image of Christ? That, that's my overriding goal. Now, I may have sub-goals. I mean, I may have business goals, and they're important. I may have educational goals, and there's nothing wrong with, 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 with those types of goals. We need those goals. But those need to be sub-goals to the highest goal of, of what God has for us, and that's being conformed to the image of a son. But how do I get there? Paul doesn't leave us wondering when he, when he talks about, you know, I, I've not already attained or I've not already apprehended but, but what I desire is to apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me for. How, how, does, how does he go about doing that? He gives us some clues here. You see, because folks, achieving life's goal is not an event. It's a process. It's not something that you should just do. When, and that's why people get so confused about salvation. They think that one, you know, once you come and you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're brought into the family of God, it's all over with. Folks, that's just the beginning. Our salvation is not an event, it's a process. And that's the same way of living our life and, and, and achieving the goal that God has for us. It's a process. Our conversion experience is just the beginning. And so what Paul says is a few things that you can do, and I've, I've shared this with this church before, but, but I think it fits very, very well. How, how do I fulfill this process that God has for me? How do I complete this goal that God has for me? Let's just look at it. First of all, we, we never need to be satisfied. Look what Paul says in the 12th verse. He says, not that I've already attained, either we're already perfect. Paul says, I'm not there yet. And folks, when you're speaking about Paul, you're speaking about the guy that was a, the, the leader of the Christian movement at this time. That when God changed him, he radically changed his life. He, churched, he changed him from a, a bitter Christ-hater to a passionate Christ-lover. He... he, he Changing where he gave up everything for Jesus Christ. Boy, he was persecuted for Jesus Christ. He, he wrote what, what we, more books in the New Testament than any other person. We would think if anyone had gotten there, it would have been Paul. But Paul says, I'm not there yet. What does that tell you and me? That we should never be satisfied where we are in Christ. Folks, there's always more out there. That there, that we, it doesn't matter whether we're 8 years old and we're a believer or whether we're 88 years old and a believer. There's more to grow in Christ. That it's a process that each day that I'm striving to attain that which I've been apprehended for. We can never get satisfied because, folks, once we stop growing, what we start is backing up. You don't see a Christian on a plateau out there. Folks, either you're moving toward Christ or you're backing away from Christ. You're either inclining or you're declining. It, there, there's, there, there's no happy balance out there. And Paul says, we never need to be satisfied. Paul says, I, I've not attained it yet. There's more for me in my growth. As a matter of fact, the amazing thing about the Apostle Paul, when you read his letters, 
you begin to find out what he thinks about himself. And in his early letters, he says, I'm the least of the saints. And in his, in, his, in his letters later on, he says, you know, I'm, or he, first of all, he says, I'm the least of the apostles, then I'm the least of the saints. And then later in his life, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. You see, the closer he came to Jesus Christ, the more realized he realized how much more I need. And folks, I can tell you, no matter where you are in your life today, if you're a new believer or whether you've been a believer for 50 years, there's more growing for you to do. That's what's so exciting about the Christian faith to me. It's never stagnant. There's always something new. Isn't that sweet, Sister Alda? That, that as many times as you've read through the Bible, there's something new that for you to learn and for you to experience. And, 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 and you never need to be satisfied. But what Paul continued to say is, is, is I'm working to achieve this goal that God has for me. I never need to look back. Look what he continues to say in verse 13. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, now Paul could have, if, if he wanted to, and I think sometimes that snuck up on him, he could have, he could have wallowed in yesterday defeats. He could have just sit and labored. How can God love a guy like me? Man, I persecuted the Christians. I was there when Stephen was killed. I'm, I, I fought the church. And he brings that up. But folks, you can wallow in yesterday's mis mistakes, but that's not going to help you grow in Christ. The cross says you've been redeemed, that you're not the man you used to be. And so you can't sit there and wallow and just, just be self-defeating and, and think that you're being humble that way. No, what you're doing is you're discounting the cross. Because when we come to the cross, the Bible says we're new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I don't have to be drugged down by yesterday's mistakes. And folks, I've had plenty of them. But Paul says, I'm not looking back. I'm forgetting those things. And, and there's some of us today that we need to forget yesterday. And when it comes up, we need, we need to look Satan in the eye and say, Satan, I've been, I've been, I've been forgiven by the cross. I've, I've been washed in the blood, and don't you come try to bring yesterday. Now, if you've not dealt with yesterday, you need to deal with yesterday. But if you've already dealt with it through the cross of Christ, then move forward, dear friends. But you know what? All Paul said for, for getting those which behind, we can't rest in yesterday's victories. Just because we think that we've accomplished something for Christ yesterday, we can't rest in yesterday's victories. I think about the tribe of Israel when they went over into the, the promised land. God parted the waters and went over the Jordan. And all they did was walk around and blew their trumpets and Jericho fell down. I mean, a huge victory. And so they were all sitting back resting in yesterday's victory. And there was a little old Glen St. Mary out there called Ai. And, you know, well, we, I, we don't even need all of us. There's just a few of us. We'll go, we'll wipe, wipe those guys out. They were resting on yesterday's victory and they got whipped, folks. They got whipped and then all came crawling back to camp. And if we sit back and we look back on yesterday and thinking about, look what I've done for Jesus, look what I've done for Jesus, you better be careful lest you fall. We can't look back on yesterday. We need to keep looking forward, dear friends. There's more ground to take. And so Paul says, if I'm going to achieve that and attain that which Christ has apprehended for me, He's saying that, that, first of all, I can't get satisfied where I am. He says, I can't, I can't look back. I, I, he says, and then also, 
as he continues on, he says, I can never let up. In the next part of verse 13, he says, and reaching forth into those things which are before. Do you see the movement here? Everything's ahead of him. I'm not looking back. I'm reaching forth. And that idea is of, of a straining. You know, it's, it's that horse that's coming across the finish line that's just stretched out or that runner. And, and Paul's using this athletic term that, that's coming across the finish line where he's, he's straining everything in his body. Paul says, that's what I'm doing. I'm reaching forth. I'm, I'm not letting up. I'm not going to let up for a second. There's a couple of other words that he uses. It's, it's very fascinating when he, when he says, I follow after. That's, that's also a word that in many of your translations says, I press on. And then later on, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is a word also that means that, that it, it can be used in a positive sense or a negative sense. It means about, it's almost like the old John Wayne movies or the old Matt Dillon movies when the, the criminal had, had got out of town and they got their posse together and they was riding them horses as hard as they could. You know, the, the posses, you know, posses coming after them. That, you know, that they are following after him. Boy, just as they're pursuing just as hard as they can to catch the criminal. But you can use that in a positive sense that, that I'm pursuing just as hard as I can to the goal for which God has for me. When I really think about that, it brings some conviction on my life. Have I pursued the things of God as hard as I pursued the things of the world? Have I worked as hard at being like Jesus Christ as I've worked at being a good businessman? Or if I've worked at being a cheerleader or a football player? Have I worked as hard at, at being a child of God? Have I pursued that way as I had to get my studies and to get my degree? I think if most of us were honest with ourselves, we would have to say, like, we were, like Paul, I, I'm not there yet. There's certain things in my life that I've, 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 I've chased after harder than I've chased after God. And so, folks, you'll lose the race every time that way. Because what you're pursuing the hardest after is really what your goal is. You can say you love God, but you give up God to go to the ball game. I'm going to, you know, I'd like to come to church today, but you know what, I've got a test to study for. What are you pursuing? What are you pressing after out there? You see, Paul says, I press after the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I follow after to apprehend that for which I've been apprehended for. Folks, that's where each one of us needs to stop and do a gut check in our own life. We need to do a spirit check. What are the things I'm pursuing the most? And that will reveal to you what are your goals in life. You see, Paul says, if I'm going to uh, apprehend that for which I'm apprehended of, that first of all, you know, he, he, he says that, um, that I can't ever be satisfied. There's more to it. I can never let up. 
and I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to keep pursuing that call upon my life. And then he says, you can never take your eye off the goal. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, the mark is the goal. Paul woke up every morning knowing what his goal in life was. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. And he, every morning, I think he set that as a mark. That's what I want to do today. I want to become more like Jesus Christ. I want to be conformed to the image of his son. At the end of the day, I want to look more like Jesus than I did yesterday. Why? So I can be an image bearer of God. Jeff and Kim, I'm looking at you. The reality of God to those children are what they see in you. Parents that dedicated your children today, what your children's going to know first and foremost about God, whether good or bad, is what they see in you. See, parents, what they've called, what God has called you to do as a parent to be an image bearer of God so that they can begin to see the invisible God through your life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we go out into this world, the world doesn't need another accountant. The world doesn't need another sports star. The world doesn't need simply another teacher what the world needs is needs more image bearers that whether we go into the schools or they go into the business place whether we go into the doctor's office that when people see you they don't necessarily see a dentist or they don't see an accountant they don't see a football player they see jesus that's what the world needs and that's what paul says i want to be I want to be an image bearer. I, my goal is to become more like Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, friends, there's no greater joy is when you begin to fulfill that for which God has called you to be. And we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. God is going to finish what he began. When he created man, he created men to be his image bearers. Man messed that up, but we serve a God of second chances. Because through the, through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has given us power because he says, I'll come and live within you. I'll come and dwell within you. I'll call you by my name. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit to do what you can't do for yourself, and that's to be conformed to the image of Christ. And folks, that is what God has called us to be. That is life's most worthy goal. So that when others see us, we be like Jesus Christ. He continues on and says that we need to continue to stay minded. As he, as he continues on in those verses, that we always need to remain mindful of this worthy goal. He said, let us therefore as many be perfect or mature is what he's talking about. We're, we're not perfect in, 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 in that sense, but we're mature. Let us thus be minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. He said that this needs to stay within our mind. 
no matter where we are in life, no matter whether we think we've attained, we still need to be mindful that I need to be like Jesus Christ. And so today as I, I close, I just ask you, what is your goals? What is your desires? Again, there's nothing wrong with having sub-goals that I want to achieve in, in this area of business or I want to achieve in this area of education or athletics, but is, is that your primary goal? Our primary goal should be that for which we're created for, that we might should be an image-bearer of Christ so that no matter where we are, people might see Jesus within us. Folks, I can tell you as a pastor, I can say what Paul says with exclamation points and I can, I can capitalize it and I can make it in bold. I've not apprehended this yet. I have a lot. I've got a long way to go. But you know what? I want to get there. And I believe there's a lot of you that you're not there yet. And folks, none of us will be completely there until Jesus comes. But it should be our desire, again, whether we're eight years old or whether we're 88, that each day we're, we're, we're growing to be more like Jesus Christ. Christian, I... I challenge you today to stop and think about that. And today, in just a moment, as we, we stop and we have our time of invitation, Christian, may God may have touched your life today. He may have opened your eyes today in, in a way that you've not, not really understood it. God's created you to be his image bearer. And you may just want to come and kneel down at the altar and say, God, I want to be more like you. I want, I want when people to see me, they see Jesus in me. But I also want to speak to another group out there, those who, who, who maybe have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, before you can be an image bearer, you've got to realize, first of all, my life doesn't look very much like God's. And, and maybe all of your life you've striven to please me. You know what? The, the world's goals are really defined with two, two letters, M-E. It's all about me. And if you strive living life's goals, it's all about me, it's going to leave you empty one day. I think that's why that so many people, we, there's a term that it was a big popular term of several years ago called uh, midlife crisis. I think a lot of us hit the wall because we realize in midlife that all these dreams I've been chasing have really left me with nothing. It hasn't fulfilled my inner need. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill that inner need. And if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never come to that point where you say, God, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness, and I need you to change my life. I'm praying today God will, will touch your life. I'm praying today that, God, today that you, would, you would come and say, Christ, I need you. And we'll have someone to meet you right here at the front, and we'll talk to you about Jesus Christ. Don't wait another day. God has created you to be his image bearer. But folks, it first starts with Jesus Christ. You have to come to Jesus. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Father, I just pray that right now, that God, that as we take this holy moment, that God, that you just move in this, way, in this place in a mighty way. God, I pray that you'd stir Christians' hearts, that God, that they want to be more like you. I pray that you would, you would stir the lost person's heart that I need Jesus Christ today. And God, today, that, Lord, that we would begin to, to, to apprehend that for which we've been apprehended. I pray that parents would be convicted that they are to be image bearers of God to their children.
that grandparents would be convicted that they are to be image bearers to their grandchildren. That God, that people who work in the schools or work in the medical field, that they might be convicted that I'm to be an image bearer where I go, that other people can see Jesus. God, you bless this time in Christ's name. Amen.